Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale. I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith. And today our topic is going to be the reality of human evil. And many times the way that we encounter this is uh, by errors surrounding um, evil, and especially today, hell, the devil, um, you know, with the uh, with the whole dare we hope that all men are saved. So, I mean, there's that whole discussion happening out there, and we've done a podcast on that. Um, but also, you know, there was the, the recent uh, Jesuit superior general who said that, uh, you know, the devil is a symbolic reality, uh, not a personal reality. Uh, and so there's a just a, a, a kind of tendency today uh, surrounding many different aspects, whether it be catechesis or theology or just uh, general Catholic discussion and dispositions to other religions and other people where we either, you know, deny or diminish the reality or the gravity of human evil. And so today, the topic, this is the topic that we want to cover. We want to talk about uh, the reality of it uh, and look into maybe some of the reasons why we've uh, kind of fallen into some of these uh, erroneous uh, positions uh, where we may say, well, you know, nobody, nobody will really choose against God, you mm-hmm. know, or yeah, they did that, you know, but that doesn't make them a bad person or, you know, they just because they lied doesn't make mm-hmm. them a liar. You know, I mean, we get into all these things. And I, I mean, I think that's a, 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 a political narrative every <laughs> other, you know. Uh, sure. So, uh, so, Dr. Smith, why don't you get us started today? Maybe we could begin with uh, maybe looking at this this error a little bit about, mm-hmm. um, you know, the denial or the diminishing Mm-hmm. of the reality or gravity of uh, human evil. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Yes, yeah, so it's an important issue because it's part of reality. Um, <laughs> it's part of, you know, our daily experience. It's part of what we're striving against as Christians. Uh, it's part of what we learn right in the sacred scripture and in tradition, right? That, yeah. um, you know, that evil is a reality and that it's a serious reality. You know, against this clear teaching of scripture, we often run into these views, right, that, that no one really deserves hell, or like you said, that no one can um, could finally and definitively choose against God. And kind of within that is kind of, well, it sort of implied is the assumption that, well, nobody's really that bad, right, or, right, or, or right. hardly anyone, right? Uh, so kind of a more casual take on it would be, well, maybe it's theoretically possible that someone could deserve hell or theoretically possible that someone could definitively choose against God, but it's, you know, extremely rare, right. Or that sort of thing. Right. Because most people are, are basically good. And when you, uh, 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 dig into that, right. Very often, if you, what you get are three lines of argument, I'll just try to state them briefly without going into a ton of detail, but, um, uh, sometimes you find, uh, the argument made, that has a grain of truth to it, but just a grain, uh, that we have a natural inclination towards God, um, Mm -hmm. which of course is true, I would say, in a way. Uh, Certainly it's true that God is our ultimate end, but from that will be deduced the view that the claim that we are always seeking God, right? And that, that that's something you hear a lot. And sometimes from really good sources, um, and within certain contexts and with certain qualifications, I I kind of see where that's coming from, right? But actually, I think we need to be uh, more fine-grained on that. 
Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the one that comes to mind is the uh, the Chesterton quote, and I've even used it because mm-hmm. uh, because of its uh, uh, ability to stun an audience. Sure, uh, you sure. know, and it's the uh, uh, you know that every man that knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, no, doubt. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So I mean, like, like like the true version of that, or or maybe like the you know if you ask Chesterton about it, maybe he would clarify. Uh, or just come up with another witty aphorism or something. But <laughs> the, um, uh, you know, is is that the is Augustine's statement, right? That that you know, God has made us for Himself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in Him. Well, that's yeah. true, right? We are rest. We have been made for God. That is, we're fitted towards God as our ultimate end. And two, that uh, we're going to be restless until we rest in God. That's true. It doesn't necessarily follow that we're actively seeking God. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, and then that's, I think, the, the, the mistake there. Uh, the second line of argument is that God is the good, and we always choose according to something we see as good, and therefore we're always choosing God indirectly, maybe even accidentally. Yeah. Again, uh, um, you know, like I, I can kind of see there's some connections that are true trying to be made there but they actually don't connect fully yeah and then third kind of on a different line and i think we get this um uh i'll say this is probably a distortion right of uh john paul ii's thought on the human person um but you know lots of times you get the the view well you know about the sort of inalienable human dignity right so Mm -hmm. since the human person has this inalienable dignity uh, therefore, everyone is essentially good, right? Uh, no one's essentially, you know, is de- no one's deeply evil, um, uh, that sort of thing, right? Um, and so uh, uh, there's always this sort of kernel of goodness inside of the person, right? Um, despite their manifest evil actions or something of that nature. So yeah, those are three kind of lines of arguments that are sometimes brought forward to kind of play down right i would say the gravity or eschatological significance right of uh human personal evil yeah yeah and especially with the the, that third one there about the inalienable dignity of the human person Mm. you know many times i i see that played out as people taking um like pro-life arguments or 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 um anti-abortion arguments is that the right word is that how we yeah. say it nowadays uh, <laughs> that's how we should they, say it <laughs> no one listens as, to me <laughs> Whatever. they take these uh they take these arguments and they apply them to the morale the the moral quality of people mm-hmm. um which i think you know that's where that's where you start to get into you know some issues is when you start taking these these uh, uh arguments that are that are fitting for one cause and then you start to apply them to, you know, uh, people, how they stand morally. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah. You know, we got to be careful there. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. I think the inference runs something like, well, we have an alienable dignity. Therefore, everyone is morally good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, of course, when you say it that explicitly, you're sort of like, well, that doesn't really, that's really a non sequitur. Yeah. Um, hopefully you see that. Um, yes. But, uh, but yeah, so I think it kind of runs in that direction. Now, I think these lines of argument, of course, I've just been trying to state them quickly. Yeah. These lines of argument, uh, without getting into too much detail, run flatly against uh, scripture and tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just go read, I don't know, Augustine, right? Um, 
you know, and it, you'll see, like, this is against, you know, what Augustine teaches, what's against what St. Gregory teaches, many of the fathers and doctors of the church. Um, addition, I would actually say it's probably against the, uh, the um, both what's contained in the Catechism of the Council of Trent and uh, the Decree on Original, on original Sin and the um, count, uh, Council Documents of Trent. Um, but in addition to that, uh, I think it's just flatly against sacred scripture, right? So right. Um, the uh, we find, I think, that the strongest text here uh, on this is uh, uh, Romans chapter 3. Um, you know, uh, I'll just read a little bit of it here, sure. reading from um, verse 10 uh, onwards. Uh, St. Paul writes, uh, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Mm. No one understands. No one seeks for God. That's pretty. Pretty explicit. Yeah, right. <laughs> All have turned aside. Together they have gone wrong. No one does good, not even one. Mm. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's uh, through verse 18. Now, St. Paul there is talking about everyone, right? Yes. Yeah. Happy Wednesday, everybody. <laughs> That's a biblical view of, of, of the way uh, that we are. Significant, just to note briefly here, he's quoting uh, from uh, the Psalms, Psalm 14 mm -hmm. and Psalm 53. He's also quoting from Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 7. So, um, this isn't just sort of like a um, a uh, sort of random, unusual text or something like that. You know, in yeah. fact, if anyone wants, I'm happy to send them. Uh, they can email us, and I'll be happy to send them a whole list of long, <laughs> depressing passages like that <laughs> that the Bible's full of. Depressing, but just accurate. Like, I mean, at some point, you just have yeah. to grow up, right? And just sort of say, okay, well, like, there are some things about reality that are tough, and we just have to face them squarely. And one of those things is that we are that we are not intrinsically morally good. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> That's what I want to say, all right? Um, I don't know, Jason, do you have any thoughts there before I jump into my arguments? Yeah, no, and, and that's, a, and that's a, the, you know, one of the issues with, you know, that I see today and kind of especially like the catechetical landscape or just kind of the the interpretations of Scripture happening today that are just so vapid and and empty and... Uh, you know, they just, well, God is love, you know, I mean, you know, you have, you know, presidential candidates that go against many things that the church teaches, you right. know, abortion, homosexuality, all of these things. And they're sitting there, well, you know, I read the Bible and God is love. And it's, you know, like, mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's kind of a, a cherry picking way to read, you know, read the Bible. I mean, there's, you have to look at it in its entirety. Right, right, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not full of, uh, um, you know, uh, just Jesus, you know, uh, loving children and healing lepers and, right. you know, telling you to love everybody. Like, no, he's talking about fire. He's talking about uh, um, the reality of sin. And not to mention, you know, his entire mission, mm -hmm. you know, was to reconcile people to God. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and not just, you know, a few people, like the entire human race, which mm -hmm. means... Mm -hmm. That we needed some, we needed to be saved from something. Sure. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and <laughs> you know, right. If there's reconciliation needed, right, that's 
presupposes an offended party that presupposes yeah. a break right uh um, yeah and that's on our side yeah cause, and the other thing that i always you know put to that it's saving from something but mm-hmm. also the fact that you know okay god is love we'll take that first grade textbook title and and run with it okay you know if god is love you know then you know love requires that it never be forced on anybody else it has to be accepted it has to be uh responded to not just accepted but you have to make a response of love uh back it can't just be this you know unrequited love or this kind of god is not just going to force his love on you and save you against your own human will I mean, sure. that goes against the very nature of love. So even if you want to make the argument that God is love, mm-hmm. you have to include in there some sort of free choice. Um, yeah. And with that, the possibility of not using. Yeah, I mean, I think what you want to say is, is it's true that God's love is unconditional, but it's also true that his forgiveness is conditional. Um yeah, salvation you know, is conditional. Um, right. We just kind of conflate all that, right? Kind of yeah. like kind of like the way, you know, a loving parent might regard uh a, a a silly child, right? So you might sort of sometimes not call your kids to account for breaking the rules, right? Because you're sort of taking into account, well, you know. You can't always be, you know, sending them to time out or whatever it is you do, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you sort of like, oh, well, we gotta let some things slide sometimes, right? But here's the thing: is um, uh, for one thing, uh, we don't want to think that that's that's the the human state, right? That we're just silly children, yeah. and at some point we, some point we are actually making morally serious decisions, right? Psychologically serious decisions. And God is going to hold us account for those, right? So we have the idea of the age of reason kind of thing, right? Right, right. Um, that at a certain point, you do actually become a moral agent. If what you want to say is human beings never become moral agents, then we're in bad shape, right? Um, <laughs> uh, then in addition to that, though, we, we have, you know, clearly in sacred scripture, it says God will not leave sin unrequited, right? I mean, yeah. it just says it, right? So, um uh, uh, that sounds know. like something from the Old Testament. <laughs> it's all Bible, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like it is. We're not Marcion. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know that right. people want no, Marcy, it, but we're not. Right. It's all exactly. the inspired word of God. Right. Um. So yeah. Um. Uh. So I think. Um, I don't know. Anything else, Jason? There before? I, yeah. I, no. Or, just I, I. I completely agree with you. It's flatly against sacred scripture when read as a whole and taken seriously. You know, I don't. The other thing I don't like, and I'll mention this quickly, is where we kind of have this. Um, this idea that yeah, I know it says all those things, but then Jesus says this, and it it kind of just trumps everything else that was ever in the Bible, or, or at least that's how we interpret it. As opposed to saying, well, maybe these things fit together. Maybe, you know, and Jesus says, you know, I didn't come to destroy. I came to fulfill, you know, like how do we, you know, or or do away with the Ten Commandments, but to fulfill them. You know, I, I, I don't like the thing where, well, Jesus said this, therefore everything else is trumped. You know, I mean, it's just, it's well, I mean, to, to, to have that yeah. view. I mean, we don't want to get too far into that because it, but it's important. I mean, maybe that's something we can revisit at some point, but. 
introduces the idea that there's contradictions in God uh, or something like that, right? Uh, or there'd be contradictions in his revelation, uh, which just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you're, it's a, that, that is something that comes out. Uh, and also, I think, okay, fine. Let's sit down and really read all the words of Jesus. Um, and I think you're going to find that that's not the way he treats the Old Testament. Um, yeah. If you actually read the way Jesus regards the Old Testament. In fact, I mean, okay, we're not going to get too far off on this, but in, in fact, <laughs> if you read what Jesus had, the way Jesus uses sacred scripture, right, yeah. and his views of sacred scripture and his views of the Old Testament, you know, a lot of people would just call him a fundamentalist today, right? Uh, <laughs> the way that his doctrine of scripture is not what you're describing, right? If you think of Jesus' yeah. doctrine of scripture uh, and the way that he uses it. Um, uh, I think that's that's important. So, I mean, I think when you look at these verses, right, uh, this, they're from a kind of theological perspective, at least in Thomas and a lot of other classical sources. Um, what these uh, kind of passages point to is the reality of original sin, right? Yeah. And so a lot of this kind of uh, playing down, diminishing of human evil, I think runs flat in the face of um, the doctrine of original sin, especially those claims about us always seeking God or our claims that we're always choosing uh, or seeking the good, right? Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. More broadly. So let's think about this a little bit. There is the truth, right, that the human will is naturally ordered towards the good, or I should say it has an intrinsic inclination towards the good. Mm -hmm. That is, the will can only intend and choose what is perceived to be good, right? right? That is desirable under some aspect, right? So that qualification is really important, and, and, and people just gloss over this all the time. Desirable in some respect. There are at least three ways in, in ways in which something can be perceived to be desirable, right? Uh, one of those ways mm -hmm. is that it's pleasurable, right? Something yeah. can be desirable because it's satisfying, right? So we perceive that pecan pie is satisfying, right? And of course it is, right? <laughs> um, and so we we choose and intend pecan pie, right? We choose the pecan pie and we intend the pleasure of it. Um, that doesn't mean it's morally good, right? Like just right. taken abstractly, eating pecan pie isn't morally good. It's not morally bad either, again, taken an abstraction. Um, but there the will is just intending and choosing something because it's perceived to be uh, pleasurable. Um, now, because something is pleasurable, does it follow that it's morally good, Jason? No. <laughs> right. never right. right obviously right so yeah. um you would never so, put that in that order <laughs> that's right yeah i mean you got to say it that way though to kind yeah. of bring it out right? and um and so it's perfectly true that we always intend and choose the good under some aspect right, <laughs> right? um in addition to that we can talk about the good as useful right mm -hmm. or the good as honorable and praiseworthy right now when we talk about the the bonum um Bonum and estum, right? That's the honorable or praiseworthy good. That's what's morally good, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but clearly, we can intend and choose something as the good, as good, which is in fact not praiseworthy, right? So, mm -hmm. in an act of adultery, often you know one is choosing the satisfaction of excitement or sexual pleasure, gratification, those sorts of things. 
But no one would say that that act of adultery was good or right. was morally good, right? And so someone might say, well, you were seeking the good in it. Yes, you were seeking uh, the desirable, the delectable good, but you were not seeking the moral good, yeah. right? And that act was morally bad, and you're bad for doing it, right? Despite <laughs> the fact that you uh, were seeking something good under the aspect of pleasure. Isn't that clear? I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, you know, recognizing that, you know, you know, like you said, you know, take adultery, you know, so there, there is, you know, uh, something that is good within, you know, the act itself uh, when it, with regards to the, the pleasure that you're seeking. However, sure. there, there is something when you look at adultery, it becomes, uh, because of the commitment that you made to your husband or wife, that act, uh, now, uh, is, is different. It's mm -hmm. different than, than, than anything else. And it is, it, it now becomes depraved of all good. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't, you can't ever, you can't ever justify an act of adultery. Right. Yeah. There's no and, circumstance and it, that will yeah. do it. And in it, you are not seeking the moral good. Right. Right. Um, and in fact, I'll go a little further here and say with a normal adult, right. Um, you know that adultery is wrong, right. Through the natural law. Yeah. Uh, and so since you know adultery is wrong, it's a sin of malice, uh, in most cases, right? That is, this isn't just, um, this is fornication. Yeah. Yeah. This you're choosing, um, well, you're choosing something that you know to be evil, right. And doing it on purpose mm -hmm. under the aspect of it being delectable, right. Mm -hmm. Or pleasurable. There's no more. There's no moral goodness in that whatsoever, right? Right. It's a wholly and entirely evil action, right? Uh, as an as an act, right? Right. Now you could say, are there some metaphysical goods there? Sure. Uh, yeah. But you know, you can be metaphysically good, like Lucifer, and uh, morally evil, right? <laughs> and your action is right. morally evil. Um, so that taken as a whole, right? That action uh, uh, is evil. So just saying. That we're always that that the will is good is ordered to the good intrinsically, doesn't mean right that we're always choosing something because it's morally good or we perceive it to be morally good. Now this becomes even more important, I think, when we bring in original sin and think about yeah. it in connection to God. So according to Thomas's take on original sin, right? Uh, I think this kind of goes under um, undervalued. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the will, even if it has this intrinsic inclination towards the good, that intrinsic inclination is corrupted. Right, right, right. right. Uh, so that while we we do have an inclination towards the good, that inclination itself is um, corrupted, disoriented, confused, and bent in the wrong direction. So one way of thinking about it is we have a natural inclination towards eating, right? Mm -hmm. Eating is naturally ordered towards uh, the health of the body. But clearly we can acquire a corruption of that inclination such that we become gluttonous, right? Mm -hmm. And our eating actually becomes uh, something that damages the health of the body, right? So let's go back to our, uh, our example of, of adultery. There is a natural inclination, of, an intrinsic inclination of the will, say, in the way that God made us, 
towards mm-hmm. the good. Right. But under the aspect of original sin, right, under the, the, the reality of original sin, even that inclination towards the good is corrupted so that the person will not choose – the person here um, is not only ordered towards the good in its fullness, right, delectable, useful, and moral, right, but can also just say, mm, I just like it because it's delectable, right? <laughs> I'm going to choose it just because it's pleasurable, right, uh, so that that very inclination of the good becomes corrupted and becomes an occasion of sin, right? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe another way to look at it is, you know, when we think about, you know, um, uh, different moral acts, mm-hmm. there's there's not there's not always going to be a single good. There's usually uh, uh, many different goods uh, and many different maybe, you know, side mm-hmm. effects or bad things, bad consequences or something like that. And so sometimes when we have these uh, um, these decisions even if we have this this inclination to do good um it's not always the highest good mm-hmm. um that sometimes we we start to choose lower goods mm-hmm. um and, and sometimes you know we L- choose lower goods you know, to the exclusion of a higher good right, right. that's the thing yeah. there right yeah yeah exactly and that's where and that's where we can you know kind of get into maybe some of the nuances that we 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 choose this lower good uh, uh, to the detriment or even mm-hmm. to the, uh, um, the, uh, just ignoring of, mm-hmm. uh, of the higher good. Well, right. that becomes problematic, you know, if sure. we, you know, if we, you know, and, and, and again, it's, it's, you know, even when we talk about, you know, going into confession, you know, and things mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the maturity of the, the Christian is, is that we move from an imperfect contrition to, now, granted, we should never get rid of that imperfect contrition of fearing hell and, you know, eternal damnation. But we should hopefully move towards, you know, we go to confession because we we feel bad for offending the one that we love. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, we, we begin to move towards that. So it's one of those things. Yes, in certain things, we should appreciate these these lower goods, but we should but we should reach the point of maturity where we're able to recognize the goods of a moral choice, find mm-hmm. the highest good and make the decision for the highest good, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to, uh, uh, the lower goods. Mm-hmm. Um, and in choosing the lower goods, sometimes, you know, we can, you know, for example, here's a good example, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, I love community. I love, you know, uh, friendship is good, you know? And so, um, Dr. Smith, I'm going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to watch football on Sunday Mm-hmm. Uh, have good fellowship and other people. Um, I got, you know, five kids at home and a pregnant wife. And uh, uh, my wife is having morning sickness and puking and half of my other kids are sick. It's kind of, and they it's have kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gets in the way of my football all the time. You know? And I say, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, uh, um, you know, this community is so important. You know, it's right, like, well, right. like, you know, so I, I need to go have this fellowship. Well, you know, you know what? You're you just that choosing of that good, which is fellowship with friends and things like that is sure. coming at the cost and the price of neglecting, you know, the vocation for which I will e- uh, uh, eventually be judged eternally by. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, I mean, you always have to seek. I mean, it's not as if you always have to seek uh, the very 
highest good. I mean, you always have to seek the good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you don't have to sort of all become monks either. Right, right, right. right. Because you might say, well, you know, the monastic. I mean, a lot of Franciscans get in trouble for this, right? For wanting to sort of say, well, we should all get rid of private property, right? Because <laughs> poverty is better, right? That sort of thing, right? Um, and so. It is a little bit tricky, but there, I mean, the higher good is the moral good, right? Right, so the moral good. Yep. The delectable good of of enjoying a, a day of uh, watching football um, can't outweigh the moral goodness, right, of uh, your duties to your wife and family. Right. right, and this is where, you know, the church talks about concupiscence, you mm-hmm. know, which, which I think a lot of times, again— uh, like uh, uh, the gravity of human evil, concupiscence is also downplayed or ignored, mm-hmm. um, or or just treated as kind of eh, yeah, it's sure. A, it's one of those big words to confuse small children <laughs> right, with the church. Right, has. but it still it still goes to that inclination, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't just have. Uh, it's almost as if people just forget that the doctor original sin exists sometimes, right? Like we don't just have an intrinsic inclination of the will. We have an intrinsic inclination of the will with original sin, right? Right. So scripture clearly says that we are born children of wrath, right? Yeah. By nature, we are children of wrath. Um, we don't read those that passage anymore, right? But by nature, and by nature, what is meant here is not metaphysical nature in a scholastic sense or a philosophical sense, but nature as in notus, right? We're born, right? Right. Uh, children of wrath. Why is that? Because the God made the will intrinsically evil? No. The will is ordered intrinsically towards the good, but from original sin, right, that inclination itself is disordered. Mm-hmm. So that we find that in uh, the kinds of actions I was just talking about with respect to adultery, right? Why is it that there is so much adultery, so much drunkenness, so much fornication, so much all these different things, right? Uh, greed, um, exploitation, etc., lying. Uh, because of original sin, right? That we have more mm-hmm. empirical evidence of original sin than almost any other Christian doctrine. <laughs> so um, uh, that shows, right, that we're that we, there's something screwed up about our wills, and that's called original sin or concupiscence. Now, yeah. that doesn't follow. It doesn't follow that we always then make we always choose something that is evil. We do even even unregenerate human beings, right? As human beings who have not had baptism, uh, have not been regenerated through baptism. Even uh, human beings of uh, of that sort, unregenerate human beings, still do good kinds of things, right? Right. So um, uh, they do things like, um, you know, Augustine's favorite verse of this is like plant vineyards. <laughs> 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 but we could also say, you know, do things like uh, faithful to spouses sometimes, right? Yeah. So it's not as if every unregenerate man, uh, you know, commits every possible act of adultery. Um, or uh, theft or anything of that sort. Um, uh, So there are good kinds of things that are done. There are unregenerate men who are faithful to their spouses, uh, obey, you know, honor the, their country, those sorts of things, right. Obey the laws. Um, Thank God. Right. Otherwise, it would be a complete mess. But here's the thing: is Augustine, <laughs> right? Augustine calls those splendid vices, right? And something that's often neglected in Saint Thomas is Saint Thomas picks up on this theme, right? That is, he says that unregenerate. That, this is interesting. Okay, unregenerate yeah. man can do good kinds of things, but not for the right reasons. Mm. Um, 
so that ultimately, right, even when we do good kinds of things for St. Thomas, we do them for a bad motive. Um, yeah. Or the wrong motive. And you might say, wow, man, that's pretty heavy. And yeah, it is. <laughs> Go back to that passage I just read from Romans 3, right? And just, just meditate on that for a while, okay? Um, uh, Thomas's view here, in that sense, is quite uh, Augustinian. Uh, and I think, as I say, that goes underappreciated. Um, when we do good kinds of things without regeneration, without sanctifying grace, those things remain good, right? Mm-hmm. but not meritorious, right? He thinks, um, not actually advancing us towards God. Right. Uh, and the reason, so this is the, this is the key point. Like, yeah. There are, uh, men who resist temptation and maintain their fidelity or do acts of justice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the corruption of original sin, they can't do it for the ultimate end. Right. And that's right. the, point here right is that for an act to be ultimately good to be finally good to be fully good it has Mm -hmm. to be rightly ordered not only to the proximate ends right uh not only to more general ends but it must be rightly ordered to the ultimate end and without sanctifying grace right without regeneration we cannot be rightly ordered to uh the ultimate end right so we do what we want to do we act freely but we act freely ultimately for ourselves, right? Pride, right? right? That is making yourself the ultimate end, uh, ultimately corrupts what are in themselves good actions. So take an action of almsgiving, right? Uh, Or giving to the poor. The unregenerate man does a good thing. The thing Mm -hmm. itself is good by giving to the poor. But if he's not regenerate, then he can't do it for the sake of the ultimate end. Right. right. That is for for the sake of the of God, and therefore that act has is not meritorious. Right. It doesn't advance his salvation. Um, and in fact, if it's for vainglory, which is likely, mm-hmm. then it contributes right to his moral uh, corruption and decline. Yeah, and I think that's like I think that's a proper context for for Catholics, especially when we read like, you know, quotes from mother Teresa or something like that, when, you know, cause so much is talk, you know, you know, do small things with great love and things like that, you know, have that ultimate end as your, as your driving force, mm-hmm. as the motive right. for what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, on the, on the other side, this was one of the things I, who was it, uh, Hitchens or one of the atheists that bashed mother mm-hmm. Teresa, Mm-hmm. Was this was the his his remark against her was that she was just doing this all to be as selfish she was doing it in you know in vain to just draw attention to herself and like all this mm-hmm. stuff um you know that was the charge against her but but I think like you know when you read especially like you know sayings or things like that from saints that talk about you know uh, doing thing doing the small things with great love uh. I, you know, I, I like what you just said there about, you know, having the ultimate end as your motive, mm-hmm. as trying to, to purify your moral choices uh, from, you know, some of the, the, the vain choices that we can easily mm-hmm. fall into. And we sure. do all the time. We do every mm-hmm. day uh, mm-hmm. because, like you said, we're fallen. 
but to, mm-hmm. but to purify those the 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 reasons and the motives that we're doing these things mm-hmm. uh you know uh, that's the spiritual work that that we're all that we're all kind of called to in that but at the basis of that is the like you said the the reality of original sin mm-hmm. taking original sin seriously right, <laughs> understanding right. concupiscence yeah. uh, right. and looking at it as reality and saying right. you know I mean, that's a big thing to wrestle with, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and from this, you know, comes that the understanding, the reality that there are morally bad people. Sure. Sure. You know, that's if something I, yeah, that yeah. we don't even want to, like, I, I even, I feel, Ben, let me talk about my feelings a second. Um, <laughs> even when I say that, even when I say that the reality of morally bad men, you know, my, my American sensitivities, uh, I, I feel like I just, you know, uh, uh, tweeted something horribly that's going to end my career, you know, but, but you know, uh, I don't I, that to, to know that there are morally uh, bad people. I only have to get up and look in the mirror. Um, yeah, exactly. you know, like, uh, uh, so in saying this kind of thing, I, I'm, I, I'm not saying this against others. I'm saying it about all of us inclusive, right? That thanks be to God, right? Yeah. Uh, there's the grace of the sacraments that as Catholics, we have the opportunity to take advantage of. Uh, and they can move us into the life of sanctifying grace, right? They can move us uh, into regeneration, right, through the the sacraments, the work mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, um, so that the the life of grace, right, is available to us. But there's really only two options here, right? Either you're in the life of grace, right, or you're in original sin, or, or put it this way, um, you're unregenerate, right? We all still have concupiscence even after regeneration right so that's an important point here um, yeah. the difference is is that once you're regenerated right uh, you have the option to do the right thing for the right reason does that, does that make sense right, right? Yeah. Uh, where of course we can still fall back into sin right and that's called mortal yes. sin, right but the yes. uh but at the same time right um the man who's unregenerate right can't help but have a disordered action uh, in the sense of at least the, the ultimate end, right? That is, he cannot do a good thing for the sake of the ultimate end. Um, and so, you know, in, in that sense, right, um, we're born disordered. If mm-hmm. that situation's not relieved through regeneration and baptism, then we stay disordered and we're going to commit, you know, uh, actual sins, disordered actions that for which we're culpable. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so uh, the main thing I think that's important here is to recognize that though, even after regeneration, there's still concupiscence, right? And so yeah. we need to think that prior to regeneration, there is, uh, we are not seeking God, okay? <laughs> uh, and we are not seeking uh, necessarily the morally good. Um, right. in its fullness anyways, right? And as such, right, we are disordered, right? And our actions are not meritorious. They do not advance uh, our um, uh, salvation. Um, I th- yeah, does that make sense? Uh, any, do you have any thoughts about that? Any yeah, and, it, and, you know, it's a, it's a very sobering reality, you know, mm-hmm. I think for, for, for a lot of Catholics. You know, the, the reality of hell is absolutely scary if you take it seriously. Sure. Um, uh, and for, for good reason, because of the reality of which it is, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. um, you know, I, I think should, that's, I a, think that's that, a tough thing to, sure. to wrestle it, with. The key thing is we shouldn't be assuming that people are seeking God. 
right? In fact, yeah. the doctrine of original sin means that we're born not seeking God, right? Yeah. That's the default de facto position for human beings, right? That's right. why yeah, we Paul's don't... saying what he's saying. Yeah, we, we don't really have that today. A lot of times, usually, it's, you know, the default position is, well, I'm not Hitler, therefore, I'm going to heaven, you know, or, you know, or <laughs> it's like, all right, well, that's kind of a low bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think there Managing was, yeah. expectations, right? <laughs> right, yeah, no, but I mean, like, you know, the, the, but I mean, just reading through the Ten Commandments, you know, is the basis of morality um, and, and the basis of natural uh, mm-hmm. law. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, even just living up to the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. is difficult for, for a lot of people sure. today. Sure. Uh, you know, and and so, I mean, like, I, I think the uh, that if if they, the, the good news and the bad news need to go hand in hand, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we can't sit here and just talk about the good news, good news, good news without without talking about the reality of the bad news mm-hmm. and the consequences of it. You know, sure. we love talking. Everybody loves talking about the good news. Um, but it, it's, yeah. you know, it's maturity that, that wrestles with, uh, the reality of the bad news. Yeah. And I think Jason, frankly, that, uh, and, and we can maybe talk about this in another podcast. Uh, but, um, I think that if you don't bring in the, the bad news into the picture, you're actually not teaching the good news. Um, I think there's a fundamental failure to understand the gospel, um, without understanding uh, original sin um the consequences of sin um the that full sort of pauline picture that both saint augustine and and saint thomas uh, i think work out with great deal of rigor uh and insight um so i mean yeah i i think yeah absolutely you're absolutely. You're, you're you're right to say you need both but i even think right like without the bad right side of that you don't actually have the gospel. I think there's a, uh, again, this is a topic for another podcast, but one of the things that comes up often, you know, in, in, in my own sort of uh, professional life and, and years too, to a certain degree uh, is, you know, questions about like the decline of Catholic faith and, and in Christian faith more broadly. And I kind of think often, I think the simplest answer is we just stopped preaching the gospel about a hundred years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why, <laughs> right? You want to know why there's less faith? Because we stopped yeah. preaching the gospel about 100 years ago. Um, and uh, that has to do with, I think, this interplay, right, between uh, the good news and the bad news. Absolutely. Well, I think you've given our listeners a, a lot to think about. And, you know, we'll, at some point, I will say, you know, I've encountered all three of these arguments, and I'm sure you know uh, many of our listeners have encountered them as well. If you haven't, don't worry; they'll, they'll, will. they'll come to you. <laughs> you will encounter right, that, right. Uh, these three arguments that we kind of talked about, and it's important to to be able to, uh, you know, for the for the part of the apologist or for the for your part, especially if it's like a family member or something, to understand maybe some of the emotion behind a lot of these arguments, uh, um, and that they they they. They don't want to be damned. They don't want to be. Uh, they want to see everybody in heaven, and so they try to justify it uh, in ways that are not of God, um, in ways that actually go against what God teaches in sacred scripture, uh, that go against uh, the the understanding and the doctrine of original sin, and just the reality of the human person that we're we're not always um, we're not always inclined to do what is good, uh, to do what is morally good. 
um, that many times, you know, we're fallen. And so we choose that. And so it's important for us to be able to, to, uh, you know, understand emotion, uh, kind of take that emotion and step, but, but at the same time, uh, don't let people off, uh, because of emotional reasons, try to get them to think, try to get them to, to analyze what they're actually saying and try to get them maybe to, to, you know, and put in the good news there, which includes the bad news. Mm. Uh, um, uh, that's the, you know, the, the, the tough part of the gospel. Um, mm. and so I just want to encourage our listeners to, to, uh, think through these things as best you can. Uh, please email us if you have any questions, we'd be happy to, to address them here on the podcast or anywhere else. Um, and so, uh, in the meantime, check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Check out all of our content there on our YouTube channel, uh, on Facebook. And, uh, until next time, God bless.